and welcome to Jiu-Jitsu Red to Blue. I'm Tish Durkin, and this episode is a summertime short. Not a fully formed counter-argument to MAGA, but just an easy breezy stroll down this week's stretch of political beach. I know there's a lot going on right now in Georgia, but this week, my political beach is in Ohio, and it's beautiful. If you follow politics at all, you are aware of what happened on August 8th in the Buckeye State, but I can't resist going over it all in all its small-D Democratic detail. On the 8th, Ohio voted on Issue 1, a ballot question as to whether to amend the state constitution so as to make it more difficult to amend the state constitution. For 111 years, pursuant to reforms championed by Theodore Roosevelt, Ohio's cornerstone governing document provided that constitutional amendments could pass with a simple majority of a popular vote. That is 50% plus one. And that advocates had to gather signatures from 44 counties to put any constitutional question on the ballot in the first place. If issue one passed, it would take 60% of the popular vote to amend the constitution and signatures would have to be gathered from all 88 counties in the state, a couple of which have very sparse populations spread over hundreds of miles. Ohio voters rejected the proposal 57 to 43%. Just for fun, let's drill down into this massive defeat of a massively MAGA measure. Massively MAGA how? Only last year, citing reasons of expense and low turnout, the Ohio State Legislature had outlawed August elections, but then turned right around and allowed this August election. Why? Well, it's not exactly an Agatha Christie caliber mystery. This coming November, Ohio voters will decide whether or not to enshrine the right to abortion and contraception in their state constitution. In the days since the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, state-level abortion-centered ballot measures have not gone well for the anti-choice side. Perhaps unsurprisingly, more than 60% of voters in California and more than 70% of voters in Vermont opted to protect abortion rights. But even in such red and reddish states as Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan, and Montana, the pro-choice side has garnered more than 50, but less than 60 percent. Et voila, the Ohio Republican Party suddenly felt the urge to protect the rights of the people of Ohio by allowing constitutional amendments to be adopted or rejected by 40 percent of the people of Ohio. Subtlety was not their strong suit. And why should it be? MAGA has gotten awfully far, awfully fast by being awfully brazen. These folks have developed a downright habit of punching the rest of America right in the face with their fascism. By the time everybody else comes to and figures out that, no, they're not kidding or bluffing, they really are going to do some previously unimaginable thing like force child rape victims to give birth or expel elected black lawmakers from a state legislature for a lack of decorum or kill to kill a mockingbird. They've already done it. And here, too, that seems to have been the play. A quick, decisive move to cement control by the minority before the majority knows what hit it. This was to be pulled off by way of an election whose outcome would, its engineers imagined, be determined by the small number of right-wing activists who would comprise a disproportionately large proportion of a minuscule August electorate. So well-worn has this play become that those attempting it barely tried to hide its many flaws. 
Proponents of issue one insisted that their motive for amending the Constitution was that they did not want dirty outside money pouring in and polluting the purity of Ohio politics. A very rich sentiment coming from anyone who applauded the Supreme Court Citizens United decision, which has resulted in a flood of dark money from God knows where gushing into Ohio and every place else. And it's super duper rich coming from the Ohio GOP, the party of the First Energy Corp billion dollar plus bribery for bailout scandal that has recently seen the now former GOP Speaker of the State House and the chair of the state GOP sentenced to 20 years and five years in prison, respectively. But even leaving all that aside, those pushing this fear of contamination were unable to give one example of an instance in the past 111 years where outside forces had subverted the will of real Ohioans or even come close to doing so. And get this, $4 million of the $4.8 million that bankrolled the Save Our Constitution, the main pack fighting for Issue 1, came straight from the pocket of one billionaire, Richard Uline, who hails from Illinois and has a giant package supply business based in Wisconsin. Meanwhile, Issue 1 cheerleaders, first and foremost Secretary of State and aspiring U.S. Senator Frank LaRose, swore up and down to the general public that Issue 1 had nothing to do with thwarting abortion access, and then told anti-choice folks that it had everything to do with thwarting abortion access. There have been plenty of times when MAGA has gotten away with equally flagrant whoppers, but not this time. This time, they got caught. This brings me to the first of the three larger points I would like to draw from this highly edifying episode, only the lesser two of which have to do with the fortunes of Big D Democrats, of which I am certainly one. We Democrats are constantly marveling at GOP messaging and trashing our own. We criticize the willingness of far-right Republicans to say and do just about anything to get their way. But we envy it, too, and wish to God that Democrats would quit hemming and hawing and stepping all over themselves by comparison. As regular listeners know, I am the last person to suggest that Democrats don't need to simplify and strengthen our messaging. If we told the truth half as effectively as MAGA tells lies, we'd be golden. That said, let's let the unmitigated disaster that Issue 1 has rained upon the far right in Ohio serve as a timely reminder that there is a big difference between being evil and being an evil genius. As LaRose and company illustrate, it is completely possible to be an evil jackass, and therein lies a great deal of hope for our nation. Going forward, normal Americans, rational right, left, and center, absolutely do need to be afraid of MAGA extremists. But we should not be in awe of them. My second point about Big D Democrats is what I made before but now have happy occasion to make again. That point is, the heartland does not belong to MAGA, or even necessarily to the GOP. Yes, last weekend it was very distressing to see Trump, already under three indictments but not yet under four, hailed as a hero at the Iowa State Fair. It is sickening to contemplate the rise of Ohio U.S. Senator J.D. Vance and the staying power of Wisconsin's Ron Johnson and Missouri's Josh Hawley and so on. But there are a lot of voters who reject Trump and Trumpism, and plenty of them can be found in flyover country. The resounding no to issue one was just the latest blow the Midwest has dealt to the party of Donald. 
In April, in Wisconsin, the liberal female state Supreme Court candidate trounced her ultra-conservative opponent by 11 points. In 2022, the people of Kansas both rejected a push to disavow abortion rights and re-elected Democrat Laura Kelly as their governor. Minnesota and Michigan have Democratic trifectas, meaning that Democrats hold the governorships and both houses of the state legislature. And now the people of Ohio have rejected a right-wing power grab by a margin of 14 points. None, none, none of which means that all these places are suddenly Biden-Harris country. In all honesty, there is no telling what all these outcomes mean for politics more broadly. Other than that, as a general principle, insanity is bad for the GOP. And as a standalone matter, abortion is too. That said, people who vote one way when the question is up or down on one isolated issue, as in a ballot initiative, often vote another way when the question is which candidate they like best for a whole range of reasons. In Ohio, given how many Republicans clearly voted against issue one, it's not even guaranteed that a majority will vote for that reproductive rights amendment in November. And if they do, that could actually spell trouble for Democrats in Ohio in 2024 because swing voters, particularly the all-important suburban women, might feel that having secured that right, they can safely support the GOP on other grounds. So while I would love to believe and have some reason to hope that the popular beast that stirred and the broad coalition that formed in opposition to issue one will live to fight another day in a way that benefits Democrats, I am far from certain that that will be the case. But there I've run right over the third and most important point about Ohio, which has nothing to do with us big D Democrats and everything to do with small D Democratic Republicans. The defeat of issue one wasn't just a case of Democrats getting their act together and cranking up turnout in their handful of highly populated counties, thus crushing the countryside. A lot of Republicans, including two former governors, clearly voted against it too. Issue 1 was defeated in several Republican counties and almost defeated in numerous Republican counties. Thus, for the very reason that it would be foolish to see opposition to Issue 1 as support for Democrats, it is impossible not to see it as support for democracy. That is very bad news for MAGA and very good news for everybody else. And maybe better news than we realize. Donald Trump has functioned as such a hydrogen bomb in American politics that we have come to expect it will take some equal and opposite detonation to cause his and his movement's demise. All these years, we've been waiting for the big bang that will wake his supporters up to who he really is, his movement for what it really is, and turn their backs on it all. Given the number of IEDs that have gone off along the road from grab him by the pussy to indictment number four, it is stunning that that Trump tank is still rolling right along. Issue one certainly has not stopped that tank, but it has slowed it down. Maybe that's how it's going to happen. Maybe, to the significant degree to which it depends on right-leaning Americans, the end of Trumpism will not come from some sudden defection on the part of the MAGA masses. Maybe the end will come in the less dramatic but no less decisive form of attrition, exhaustion, dissipation, disillusionment. One GOP elected official who testifies against Trump here, one evangelical pastor who favors Christ over Donald there, one state or local electorate that declines to harbor the extremists but, like Ohio, decides to humiliate them instead. I don't know that that process will or could actually work. 
But this week, thanks to Ohio, I have the hope that it just might be underway. It's a very small hope. But boy, does it beat despair. Thanks for listening. Tune in for more of Jiu-Jitsu Red to Blue. New episodes drop every Thursday morning.